time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. We are Feelin' Film, and we are here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. One, two, three, four! Welcome, everyone. To episode 49 of the Feelin' Film Podcast. This week, we are covering the second of our two listener-chosen episodes based on voting compiled from films recommended using the hashtag FeelThisFilm. The winning movie was Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, and we couldn't be more excited to discuss this awesome and unique film experience. There is nothing quite like this creative graphic novel adaptation by Edgar Wright. We just might be in lesbians with this one. Gosh, your intros, you're you're so awesome. <laughs> That's definitely true, Aaron. This is one of those fun films that you just get to sit back, put a big smile on your face, and, and really just enjoy. And you know what else makes us smile? Donations. We recently launched this award, reward-based subscription. Not award-based. It could be reward-based, right? It, it could be, uh, yeah, this, for sure. It, we could just start handing out awards, you know? <laughs> Participation awards, listener awards, whatever. You get a trophy, uh, and but, you yeah. get a trophy, and you get a trophy. <laughs> trophies for everyone (laughs) this one's for you millennials um yeah it's a reward-based subscription using a patreon and we just want to thank uh, jeremy c in nebraska who upped his pledge to get some of our awesome stickers and also give a humongous shout out to a new donor and our first ever ten dollar a month patron jason k from illinois awesome Appreciate it so much, Jason. Uh, he's got some pretty cool rewards that include helping us choose the uh, the uh, our new monthly donor pick episode topics. But you can become a supporter and access that great bonus content as well for as little as two dollars a month. If you're interested, just visit uh, Patreon.com/slash/FeelingFilm for all the details. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Patrick. We are so incredibly thankful for all of the amazing support we've received already. I've been completely blown away at the response and I mean, it's been up two or three days and it's just been amazing or not two or three days, I guess two or three weeks. Sorry. Sorry about that. My time is off. Uh, it's really not up for debate, but we do have the best listeners. All right, we man. We did. So what have you been up to this week? You watched anything good? Done anything? I have. I've been, I've been doing quite a bit trying to get caught up from, uh, from being out of town. Um, by the way, I know I said it last week, but I'm going to say it again. It's good to be back. I've missed talking with you about movies. It was good to dive in with those guys over at Retro Rewind for uh, for Logan, but it's it's good to be back and just talking through this. But this week, I have been uh, watching some movies with my wife. We have given up television for Lent, and what that basically means is, well, nothing really. It's just really that we're just, when we hang out, we either watch movies or just talk and things like that, because we're normally catching up on TV shows. But... For me, it's fantastic because I love sharing the movie experience with my wife. And she expressed to me that she wants to watch some older films. She has gotten into the black and white stuff from the you know, 30s and 40s. And so she's been throwing some stuff in her Netflix queue. And I saw this one come across that, you know, it's one that everybody should see, you know, based on all the reviews it gets. But I had yet to see it. And it it was The, uh, the Graduate starring Dustin what? Hoffman. Yeah. You've Dustin never Hoffman. seen this? Holy cow. I've never seen The Graduate. Yeah. And it stars Dustin Hoffman, if you didn't already know, and it co-stars Simon and Garfunkel um, with just a fantastic, fantastic film. 
I fell in love with this probably within the first 15 minutes. It, it, I can't, I want to do an episode on this. I really, really do. If it's a mini sode or maybe something, I, I don't know, maybe some bonus content. I really want to talk about this because it's, there, there's so much comedy that I didn't expect, and it's intermixed with this fantastic drama. And you've got this guy who is, you know, who played, he's played by Dustin Hoffman named Benjamin. And I think there should be like maybe a drinking game for every time somebody says Ben or Benjamin. It's said at least 200 times. But it, it's this story of this guy who he comes home from college and he's kind of struggling with what he wants to do with the rest of his life. And for some reason, he's at this, well, he's at this, I guess, homecoming party that his parents are throwing him. And this woman, Mrs. Robinson, uh, begins to seduce him. And it's about their relationship and how that relationship sort of gets twisted a little bit. And he ends up falling for her daughter, which gets, I know, on the surface, it sounds just really wacky. But at the heart of it is a real genuine story about just trying to understand who you are and where you're going. And I just, I mean, again, I'm going to reiterate, I just loved it. I want to watch it again. I want to uh, engage with our listeners. If you guys have seen this, I'm hoping that most of you guys have. Please holler at me on social media. I want to to have some some dialogue about this. But I love the soundtrack. I love the camera work. Some of these wide shots showing um, different emotions without using any dialogue was just amazing. And so yeah, I, I it just it was it was a it was a great movie. It is a great movie. I want to own it at some point. It will probably. Uh, find its way into my uh, DVD library, Blu-ray library, whatever you want to call it, and subsequently into the uh, the Feeling Film digital library if I can find it both in DVD and digital. So yeah, loved it. The uh, the Graduate, starring Dustin Hoffman and other folks. <laughs> That's awesome. I you know I I haven't seen it in forever. I mean I've seen it, but it's it's been a very long time. Um, I I know that it's very high on the AFI Top 100 list. I want to say it's like in the top 20. Um, so, I mean, you know, me in that list, I'm all for doing pretty much anything on it. I still think that we need to do an AFI top 20, maybe start working through them as mini sodes, uh, as a, as a goal to complete before we die. <laughs> I agree. Um, I agree with that. <laughs> so, so that would give us a good reason to, to throw that one on there, but no, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad you are checking those out and it sounds really great that you're being able to do this with your wife. So I can... yeah, that's, that's the plus, man. It's just having her pick these and you know so coming from her library it's really really cool to to connect with her on something that that I love and and she she enjoyed it really well I mean she she'd never seen it I'd never seen it so it was a great first experience for both of us so cool so cool and one of the best what soundtracks you, one of the best soundtracks ever I mean it really I'm, just I'm going to probably pick it up to, yeah I'm going to probably pick it up tonight after we finish recording I'm going to I'm going to find a way you know go into iTunes and download it because I didn't I liked Simon and Garfunkel before this, but this this gives me a pause to want to check out like more of their stuff besides their greatest hits. Just really good. Well, I grew up on them. Uh, my dad was a huge fan of Simon and Garfunkel and Kenny Rogers, so those are kind of the the two that <laughs> Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton duo there, and and Simon and Garfunkel. I remember those were the cassette tapes that would just play every single day over and over and over. Uh, but Oak Ridge you know, Boys in there? Because I think there might be some Oak Ridge Boys. There, there right? may be some on that. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that soundtrack's awesome. It is. Well, what about you, man? What have you been doing this week? Lots. Um, lots and lots and lots. So 
I will start by saying that this week I got some of the the coolest news ever. Uh, ever since we started the podcast, I've been working incredibly hard at um, I would I want to say marketing. I'm trying to think of a better word, but just trying to to create our brand and trying to push us out there and hopefully reach more people that are interested in this kind of content. And yeah, a fantastic job you're doing. Let me oh, just say that. Why, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, it's like I don't even know if you have a regular job, right? You. Oh, no, you, you are you. not taking <laughs> <laughs> And every Sorry. listener that we have in our Facebook group is laughing out loud right now. That's great. Okay. <laughs> um, so the, the thing that happened is I've been applying for press credentials for a few months now, and it's been a little bit of a uphill battle trying to get to the right people and trying to get them to respond to emails. It's, it's not easy. Um, and so this past week I was able to actually succeed in contacting the right person, getting them my application, uh, going back and forth with emails several times, and then sending in statistics and analytics that proved we had a decent sized audience. Uh, and eventually I, I got press credentials. So I am a certified uh, member of the press in Seattle as a film critic, which is it's just, it's just pretty incredible. I still haven't quite stopped grinning about it. I just feel uh, very accomplished <laughs> and um, humbled, to be honest, that that I have the access that I now have uh, to you know n- new cutting, uh, new spur of the moment news, and then advanced screenings that hopefully uh, we will be able to leverage into bringing you the listeners more timely content on some new films here in the future. Um, and one of the things that happened is I, I took my son to a screening, uh, this last week and we, we went to see Kong and while we were there, we were surprised by them changing the screening to IMAX 3d, which is not a normal thing. It's very rare. Um, and I got to tell you, it was a blast. So having him there was awesome. Uh, that film was incredibly fun. Uh, I highly recommend it to everyone to to check out Kong in theaters. Uh, and then I got to come home and uh, with one of our guest hosts, Don Shanahan from uh, Chicago. He's also a press credentialed um, film critic. And so he had seen this film early and we were able to do a little mini-sode on Kong and uh, put it out there right away so that people could find it as soon as they got out of the theaters. And it was just a lot of fun seeing the movie with my son, recording that episode. It's just been kind of a whirlwind of an experience for me with that in the past week. And that was, that was really awesome. Uh, Very cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, otherwise I, you know, watched plenty of movies last week. The thing that stuck out to me was this weekend, my kids and I got to watch Pacific Rim there was yeah. yeah you did oh yeah yeah you did oh yeah so there was a sale <laughs> and i decided to add a couple of monster movies godzilla 2014 which is the the precursor to kong essentially uh, in the monster verse and i bought pacific rim as well for us to own and the kids hadn't seen it i've been talking about it a long time so we decided it's time and they loved it so we we watched quite a bit of anime in my home and I described it to them like it's basically live action anime. They couldn't get enough of it. They were all over it. They absolutely adored the movie. They want to watch it multiple times. Uh, so uh, the cool thing with Pacific Rim, just a little bit of a kind of a inside baseball for everybody listening, <laughs> which I guess that makes it not inside baseball anymore. But I think, Patrick, we're going to do an episode on Pacific Rim this summer, and it's going to be one of the films that we're going to do when we are 
together on my vacation yes, in Arkansas. It is. So it that is. means a... our rewatch will be together with families and the kids and stuff. So I think that's going to be pretty awesome. I'm pretty excited about that. Excited about you coming into town and, um, and all that. And it's just a multitude of excitement that with me, you know, I feel like I'm, you know, going to rewatch the graduate, you know, it's that kind of excitement that yeah. I have. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron coming to visit and giant robots. Like what else, what else is there in life? <laughs> How could you say no to that? Right. But yeah, so it, it just a really great experience, uh, having them see that for the first time. And, and frankly, just watching it again myself, I, I can't get enough of that movie. The, the last thing that I'm going to mention is a video game. And I, I wanted to bring this up simply because I used to be a huge, huge gamer. Um, if you had known me, well, you did, but <laughs> listeners, if you had known me uh, prior to Feelin' Film, um, I would spend uh, inordinate amount of times, uh, way too much time during the week playing video games. Uh, very much a addictive personality in general that's kind of switched over to movies now, uh, full on. And I just kind of have stopped playing games for the most part. I uh, haven't been able to find a good balance between my different hobbies, and so I don't think I've purchased a game in four months, five months. Well, we were hanging out this weekend and one of our friends went live uh, on Twitch streaming uh, this new game he was playing called Near Automata or Automata. I don't know how that word's pronounced exactly, but one of the two. And we started watching it. And I got to tell you, Patrick, we were all just kind of like in awe of this game. And it looked like it was a complete blast. So we found there was a demo and we downloaded it and we checked it out and instantly decided it was time to buy it. We bought the game and we played this sucker, the three of us taking turns uh, back and forth, my two kids and I, for I think nine hours over the weekend. It's a completely rainy weekend, so it was one of those stay at home in your pajamas weekends. It was great. And this is an amazing game. I, you know, it was going to take a lot to get me to even jump back into gaming and attempt to find a balance in my life for it. But this game is a unique blend of so many different things. It's got a bullet hell mechanic. It's got a hack and slash combat. It's got platforming in a 2D uh, picture. Um, it's, it just, it, this camera is constantly seamlessly switching between perspectives. You'll go from like a, a third person action to the 2d platforming to a top down view. Uh, it, it, all kinds of stuff. As you're just traversing the map, it'll just change on you. Um, it's really fascinating how they do it. And so the combat is, is amazing. It's fast paced. It's fun. It's got like this dark souls element where if you die, you got to go back and find your body or you lose everything you had gained up until that point. Gosh, um, I hate when that happens. Yeah. Life. It's so inconvenient. <laughs> I know. What happens if you don't get there in time? Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's great, man. And then the story, for me, it was it, it's got to have the story. Um, any video game I play from this point out, I think, is going to have to be a, a story that's worth hearing and worth participating in because that's what I love, obviously. I'm a, I'm a movie podcaster. I, I enjoy story in general. And this one is very sci-fi. It's about uh, this is I think the year's like twelve thousand, <laughs> like literally twelve, like one two comma zero zero zero. Um, and Earth has been you know attacked by these aliens that were like robots, and we've lived on the moon, and now we have these androids that are trying to kind of take back the planet from these robots. And the story goes in a in a different direction, very emotional direction with with AI and kind of exploring the concept of huh, now these robots have personalities and they're kind of exhibiting things and they're, they're having conversations. And it's, it's interesting how the, 
androids are perceiving the robots and and calling them machines when in you know in reality you're an android you're you're a machine too um and just how the how the whole you know division of i guess what a soul is and what a soul isn't works and so the story is just incredibly fascinating and just riveting and draws me in completely and yeah we had we had a blast with that one this weekend and took up most of my time Sounds a bit like a page out of uh, Battlestar Galactica, if you ask me, in terms of story. Yep, definitely. It definitely would be an influence, I would think, uh, on this. And, and, you know, as many other things are, it's probably my favorite. If I had to narrow it down and give you one particular story concept that was my absolute favorite thing ever, it would be stories about AI and that explore the idea of uh, non-human consciousness, I guess in different ways. So yeah, man, it was, it's been good. It's been a, been a fun, busy, amazing week for me. That's great, man. And, uh, I'm glad you got a chance to revisit, I guess what I call it an, a pastime of yours since movies have kind of taken over your life. And how think is that, uh, a mo- you know, that an activity like that would kind of tie in loosely to the, uh, the movie that we are uh, going to be talking about this week. I'm and glad Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I know. I am so glad yeah. you made that connection. And I, I didn't do it on purpose either, but I did do it. <laughs> and with that being said, we are a full-on spoiler podcast. So we're going to spoil this story. If you haven't seen it yet either, what is wrong with you uh, first? But second, go see it. Just go see Scott Pilgrim versus the world and uh, come back and then listen to this episode because it's going to be great. Patrick, are we ready to rock? I think we are, man. I'm feeling ready to rock. All right. Well, let's do it, man. So <laughs> this is why I wouldn't be in a rock band is because I would be like, I think we're ready to rock. Are one, you guys? two, three, you know? four. Pause. One, five. Pause. <laughs> Dramatic pause. <laughs> this is not a poetry slam. Okay. No, well, it's not. <laughs> let's just get right into it, man. So okay. I want to start by saying that I love this film. I'm going to give my initial impressions and sum it up just by saying I've seen it multiple times. It's long been a favorite of mine. I adore the cast. I think the cast is incredible in this film. Uh, Many, many, many name, big name actors that kind of weren't really stars at that point in their careers that were part of this film. But when you take this movie that is an adaptation of a graphic novel and you film it almost as if you were walking through the graphic novel in real time and you throw in all of these video game references and amazing punk rock music. It is just the most exciting mashup of hobbies and things that a lot of nerds enjoy. (laughs) And, you know, it just, it became this cult classic for everybody. And, it's no surprise why this movie is what what we would consider, I think, timeless. Every time I've seen it, it has never lost a single bit of its uh, effect on me. I have laughed my way through it, um, quoted my way through it. It's, pr- it's probably one of the most quotable movies that I can think of, right up there almost with The Princess Bride. It is maybe not as... Uh, deep of a story as that. Well, I, I mean, I say The Princess Bride is a deep story and people are going to laugh at me. But, um, uh, Woo Love, always a deep story with Exactly. Woo love. That's my point. Right. But yeah, man, I absolutely adore this film. We got to watch it, 
I got to watch it the last time uh, for the podcast with the Feelin' Film group. Several of our listeners joined us on Rabbit uh, TV. It's a website where we can watch a movie together and chat during it. And so that was a cool experience as well, just getting to get to have everybody's reactions in real time and hear what they thought of it. I, I love it. I'm so glad we're doing this movie, if for no other reason than the fact that I got to watch it again and it gave me an excuse to do that. That's great, man. That's great. I will give my first um, spoiler of the night and say that I had not seen the movie before this what? week. What? What? Are you kidding yeah. me? I did not I'm know not that. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I'd seen glimpses of it on television. Some friends of mine back maybe in my 20s were watching it on, I think, like, you know, Comedy Central or something. But it was uh, it was never a movie that was on my radar because it – I got out of games and I got out of, I was never really into comic books until recently in the last probably 10 years. And so it didn't really resonate with me to think, why would I want to go see that from the opening credits, seeing the digitized eight bit universal logo, having an appreciation for the things that I have now, um, because of the podcast and because of just my love for movies, I was drawn in from the very first frame. And I think you mentioned this fact that it, it, it's almost like a like an homage to gamers and nerds and all this thing. And it is. And, you know, and comic book fans. But it's purposeful. And I think that's what really made me enjoy this so much was it wasn't just that things were being thrown in willy nilly. And here's a reference to this. Here's a reference to this game. Here's a reference to this game. It was all purposeful from a humor standpoint, from a dramatic standpoint, from a scene pushing standpoint, you mentioned that you were watching this as if you're reading the comic. And that's absolutely true. It seemed like I was just jumping from panel to panel as if I'm reading uh, a comic book. It really, it makes me want to read the, uh, I guess the six volume set of this. And I want to say even the artwork from the movie was um, either replicated from the comic or it was used from the comic. I, I'm not sure about that. I didn't do enough research to to know that for sure. But I want to I want to believe that that might be true. But I just I think what I enjoyed so much was that you can take something like this, a simple story about high school breakups and high school love, and you can give it that timeless flavor because it's a story worth telling. It's a story that's worth telling over and over again because it's something that I think everyone who's been through high school relates to. Whether you're a nerd, whether you're an outcast, whether you're the cool guy, I mean, you connect with one of these characters in some way. And so when you can take something that has heart and wrap it up in a in a whole um, just just cornucopia of humor and 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 fun, I think that's what that's a great. Uh, that's a, that's a great, um, just what chemistry or great, yeah, great <laughs> formula for, uh, for a good movie. And so I walked away going, this is good stuff. This is good stuff. So my buddy Francisco pitches it all the time, that this is a lot better than Sing Street. I don't know what the comparison is. I do now, but, uh, on the record, I'm going to say, man, this is a fantastic movie. Is it Sing Street? Absolutely not. So we're going to have to disagree there, but it is very much up there in terms of one of my top 25 favorite films. And uh, so Francisco, uh, you are half right. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's up there. Um, I, you know, I don't see the comparison that much. I, obviously movie bands um, would be the, the main comparison. And, and, and boy, 
and, and boy, boy, you know, going after girl, that kind of thing. Yeah, to a some extent. It's a different I, flavor, though. Yeah, it's, 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 def- it's very hard to compare these, I guess, is where I'm going with that. It's just, <laughs> you know, yeah. perhaps on the surface having some similarities, but tonally just not even on the same planet. Um, but there is right. definitely room for both, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in, someone's, in someone's favorite list. Yes. Well, you kind of touched on this, and so I think we should just dive into this topic right away. And that is the idea that a lot of people see this film as the the catchphrase they would use is style over substance. Uh, because this film is so stylish. It is, it is really a masterclass in editing, which we can discuss in a little bit, mm. but uh, it's, it's really a technical marvel of a movie, the way that it is, the story is visually told. And it, it makes us have to think about the fact that there's got to be a value to these movies because we absolutely love them. Um, and does there have to always be a deeper meaning for the movie to be valuable to us? Do you think that there does? Or how, how, I guess, does it detract from your enjoyment of Scott Pilgrim because the story is not super dramatic and deep? And you're more engaged with, I think, the visuals and the sound and the one-liners and the fun, the the just characters on the screen than you are necessarily looking for this plot or this problem to be solved. Yeah, I, I don't think it needs that at all. I think that when you have something like style over substance, I think if you have one without the other, I think you've you've missed the mark there. I think if it were just a series of one-liners without a cohesive story, without one that gives you a sense of caring about these characters on some level, I think you've missed it. But that's the thing is this is a story that's not original. <laughs> boy meets girl, boy fights for girl, boy, you know, breakups and it's, it's high school drama is what it is. And and we've seen this type of story played out in different places. And I think when you have some I don't mind a successful story. I like a, ref- but I, but I, I love refreshed stories. I love stories that say, okay, you know the story of Peter Pan, but let's tell you about what would happen if he did grow up. You know, that to me is a refreshing tale, because we're we're comfortable with what we know about a character and what we know about a story, what we know about the you know a plot, a series of plot points, but then you add these things that are maybe relevant to your audience or they are important to your audience, I think that's what enhances the story. And I don't think you need something like interstellar depth to make it valuable. And I, I don't I don't want to even say that it's a mindless contribution to cinema, because I don't think it is. I don't think that any movie is meant, well, I say any, I don't want to be that, that absolute, but I, I don't think most movies that come out in the theater are meant to be mindless entertainment. I think there's a, I think there's value that comes from the storytellers, from the directors and the writers and the and, and all the people that go into it that I have so much respect for, even if it doesn't resonate with me, I I still have that sense of respect for them. And I think that Scott Pilgrim, what it does is I think it it doesn't need that, but it doesn't need that depth. But what it does have, I think, adds to what we kind of remember from it, which is all those one-liners and the cool sound effects and the visuals and the editing and all that stuff. So I, I don't think that it needs something deep and, and meaningful to be valued. I think it needs something that people are comfortable getting their heads and hearts around, and then you add to that to really enhance it. 
Yeah, I would have to agree with you 100% on that. I think that it does have some depth that you may not notice on a first viewing, but upon multiple rewatches especially, you really start to pick these things out with different characters, and you can start to uh, relate to the different portions of Scott's life and, and the times in your own life that you might have gone through these things where you have a girlfriend who's, uh, or a boyfriend and a significant other who is overbearing and, and kind of stalkerish like knives is in the beginning. and just, just wants to worship you in a, in a way and just always be around you and, and thinks that the world of you, you can do no wrong and how we deal with those relationships. And then, you know, maybe we've had the breakup like Scott with envy and, the one that we just can't get over, the one that we can't stop thinking about, the one that I love. I love the scene where Scott calls uh, his sister, Stacy, and they're on the phone, and she calls Envy, she who must not be named, right? Like because <laughs> like the little Harry Potter reference. There. Yeah, it's fantastic, <laughs> and and I think so many of us have had a relationship like that in our lives at some point, where it, you know it may not have lasted our whole life. It may have been this event of a year or six months or whatever it was, but there was a moment or a time where we had that moment happen or that experience. Mm -hmm. And so we can relate to it and we can go, Oh yeah, I know what Scott's going through right now. Um, and then we can relate to the idea of the one that we've always dreamed of or, or the, the, the person, the boy or girl that we've always wanted to be with in high school, like the, the, the cheerleader or the quarterback who has this history of, these relationships and and how do you navigate that when you don't necessarily fit in with the past history mm -hmm. of the people that that person has dated and how do you feel and how do people perceive you um and and you know are we able to this is one of the things i love about scott's character it, you know he has a hard time accepting that ramona likes him for him like he 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 has a tough time just taking it and, and, and accepting what she's feeling for him uh, because he doesn't have that self-confidence that he deserves her, right? Yeah. And, of course, that impacts his ability to have a relationship with her. Uh, so I think us being able to relate to it is huge, and that is the deeper – like, that's the deeper meaning in the film. It, it, it doesn't have to teach us a lesson necessarily. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't know that Scott Pilgrim – does teach us a lesson because you know, when you come to the end of this film, I think my daughter summed it up pretty well. She was very glad because she thought that Scott was going to stay with knives there at the end. It kind of gives us the idea that maybe he's going to go ahead and, and reunite with knives, you know, because knives is the better one for him. She's the, mm -hmm. the safer one. She's the one that's, that's less, um, complicated <laughs> and uh and then he doesn't of course but you know I don't, so i don't think the film is trying to teach us a lesson i don't think it's trying to say you know when you reach this moment in your life viewer you should choose this path uh it's just simply giving us these these characters we can relate to and we can remember back and think about um and enjoy watching their experiences without having mm -hmm. to try and you know grasp for this big existential meaning of life type concept. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and, and disagree with you on part of that, that, and I think, uh, I think one of our contributors, Don Shanahan would, 
agree with me that every movie has a lesson. Um, and in the fact that not only does he have a column dedicated to that, but I think there, I don't think we should devalue that there, there is a lesson in here. I think that, that, that final act really kind of resonated with me, but I think that we shouldn't devalue those lessons because they're not deep and heavy and like, Oh my gosh, I'm thinking about this three months later. I mean, it doesn't make them any less important. Sometimes movies give us just little reminders of things we need to keep in mind, like what it means to be a better dad or what it means to, you know, be a friend to someone. Um, and, and I, I think that's the power that film has is at the very least, they should be friendly reminders in either backhanded ways or straight up, maybe blunt ways that we might be missing something or that we can walk out going, that was a lot of fun. And you know, by the way, yeah, you know what? I do remember high school and I do remember that I wasn't the victim all the time that I had my fair share of breakups. You know, that's one of my favorite scenes is as they're walking into the, I call it the four club and you know, Scott's getting all frustrated that he has to fight these evil exes. And she's like, well, what about this person? And what about this person? And he's just kind of throwing it back like, well, you know, it wasn't this. We all do that, man. I mean, we feel like we're not, you know, if, if it's if, if we get broken up with or, or if we feel like our heart's broken, we feel like, you know, that's not something that that we can ever do to somebody else. And I've had my fair share of breakups in the past. Uh, some, you know, you know, from high school, some in college and some even, you know, as recently as, you know, 15 years ago. And for me, that was a, that was a kind of a reminder that, you know what, I can be a jerk too. <laughs> and I'm not the only one that is in the world getting his heart broken by, by other people. And, um, you know, it's, it, it, but I think movies like this can do that. And is it a requirement? No, not necessarily, but I think that good storytelling gives that a byproduct of, of what it is. It's like, I'm going to tell you a story because stories have messages. I don't, I, I don't think that that can be denied. What those messages are can vary from thing to thing, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be deep. Think about it, have coffee and really just, you know, mull over it all the time. I mean, not everybody's Christopher Nolan, <laughs> but I, uh, I, I think the fact that it doesn't distract by any means, it's not a heavy handed type lesson that we're learning makes it even better that it's really just a byproduct of a really good story. Interesting. So what, I, I mean, I don't disagree either. I mean, I, I, agree, I, I do think every movie can have a lesson, um, <laughs> much like every movie makes us feel something, you know, right. like, I, so disgust, uh, frustration, right. Know, it doesn't have to be the, the majority reaction. Uh, to yeah. everything. And I don't think that the lesson has to be, I, I guess in your face, maybe that's where I was going with this. There's no, yeah. you kind of have to look for it a little bit. Well, it, and it doesn't have to be something that we agree with either. I mean, I yes. Every, it can be very every, much more personal too than, sure. than uh, generic. Mm -hmm. I think every movie has a message. I think we can agree with that. And whether or not we translate that to a lesson as it resonates with us, I think is more subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can, I can buy that. So we're still friends, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see when the episode's over. We'll we'll reevaluate. <laughs> don't don't edit me out, please. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> if I do, it'll be with some fancy sound effects and uh, video game like noises. So, um, what enough. attitudes do you think that the different characters take toward relationships? Um, that, or I guess, which of the characters' different attitudes that they take toward relationships 
um, do you really connect with? And do you think that these characters are honorable in their intentions? That was a question I wanted to ask you after seeing it. Um, so the idea of, I guess the idea here being that each character approaches relationships in a different way. Um, what knives wants out of her relationship with Scott is different than what Scott wants out of his relationship with Ramona, which is different than what Ramona is looking for, for out of her relationship with Scott and so, so forth. Um, clearly different from what Wallace is looking for in his relationships (laughs) with everybody. Uh, so, uh, do you, I guess, do you feel that anybody has, I guess not, not honorable intentions would be more the way to, to word it. Do you, do you have a problem with anybody's view on relationships? I don't have a problem with any person's view, but I can tell you that every person's relationship is completely selfish for their own reasons. Uh, Ramona's trying to get away from something. And so she's trying to find, um, and this could be sweeping journalization. So we can unpack these one by one if you want. But my initial impressions were that all of these guys are wanting something out of a relationship that's going to satisfy them. None of it is ever like what I can give somebody else. Scott pines for Ramona, I think, because she's just that one that you can't have, you know, initially right there. And then what Knives wants from Scott, I think, is validation from just being being sought after. Um, I don't know what Wallace wants. I think maybe he just wants, if if I were going to be sincere, I think he just wants companionship. I think he wants somebody to come home to every night. Um, or in some cases, two people to come home to or three as the movie progresses. But I think all these guys have sincere motives, but there's a, I mean, selfishness isn't insincere. I think it's a natural part of who we are, but each one of these guys, I think in their own way are trying to get something from someone else. And, um, the fact that they're kind of tied to each other and the fact that they, the things that they want from one another are different, I think gives them a really great dynamic. So honorable, maybe (laughs) I think honest would be probably the, uh, the, the word, the way I would word that. Good. No, I, I think I agree with you, um, on that. And I, and I do think that they are also extremely selfish, um, in fact, I don't even know that I would say that that changes as an arc toward the end. Maybe a little better understanding of each other. But, you know, at the at the end of the day, Scott may be willing to take it slower and, and kind of go a different route toward his ultimate destination, but he's still looking for that same ending place with Ramona. So... What do you think about that, actually? What do you think about Scott growing? Do you do you think he has an arc of any kind? Do you or, or he or Ramona, since I would say they are our two main characters for the film, our main protagonists? Um, um I think that Scott does in some ways. There's a yeah, you know, we just talked about the film not being heavy handed, but I think there was a little bit of heavy handedness in that you you see at the end that his willingness to be with knives and her say, no, you should go with Ramona and him sort of saying, let's take it. So I actually thought that was kind of cool. I think that's a very, it's a very good thing to do. Like, Hey, it's, it's, it's like those relationships where I've seen them depicted on film where you have this. Well, okay. I'll, I'll get candid. I've had relationships where it's all built on one facet, either a physical attraction or an emotional connection. 
and there's and, and there's this rush into the relationship and all of a sudden you realize wow there's not much else here and you kind of want to you know go back to the beginning you know as Vassini wanted to do in Princess Bride and you want to repeat a few things and say okay can we go back and just kind of have some hang time here hang time there and I think for Scott maybe that ending moment was his way of kind of finishing up an arc I felt like he did I mean it, it felt I mean the, the whole drama of that last scene to me felt like he, the you know the writers and directors and the creative team were saying here's him finishing up his arc because that kind of came as a surprise the the what I would call the twist or the the <laughs> the uh our princess is in another castle moment where oh he gets a do-over and for me I thought that was kind of the the downward part of his arc changing. I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if he would have had the movie ended differently, like with him not getting the girl or him being defeated. I don't know that his arc would have felt finished, but so yeah, I guess I could say yes. I think he did have a full arc. Okay. How about you? Well, I, yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, a little bit. I, uh, nothing that I gravitate toward or think about much during the course of the film. Um, I really do envision this as if I was playing um, a more simplistic video game with a quest. Uh, it, you know, it's a Mario type side scroller and he's just battling his way through these different bosses or, or people to get to the princess in the castle. Um, I, I like that. I, I like Ramona in this and I think that she comes out of this a better person uh, a little bit, we don't know, you know, we don't know where it ultimately goes. I think she gains some freedom, um, to try and allow herself to be loved again. Uh, I think she, she carries a lot of that with her from her evil exes and a lot of these relationships and, uh, the way that she has ended up with Gideon. She feels, like she's stuck in this cycle that she's never going to be able to get out of it. And I think she ends in a place where, you know, to go back to that word you used earlier, honesty, she's now able to be real and see what happens when she's real and when she's not tied down by this past uh, or these previous decisions that she's made. Yeah. Um, but I, but I do think that the film largely ends before we get to see much of that kind of resolution. To, to any of that yeah. you know we don't know where it goes right and i think story arcs maybe lend themselves to at least when we think about a story arc we think did this person change his or her original motivations or did something change about him from the beginning of the film to the end and you could make i mean you could definitely make that case for ramona because i, I mean like what you mentioned even though we don't know what happened after they walk off the you know in that last scene we have hope for her, whereas I think as we, as we, as we get to know her character, we find out that she's very, very hurt. Hurt, you know, she's very hurt, and that there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the basement that she just is projecting onto exes, um, which I think is where the the sincerity of the of the movie really got to me is that she became you know she was the she was the pursued. Um, as far as the plot went, but then we start getting more of who she is and she's not just the, the princess that's trying to be saved. She has her own you know, stuff to deal with too. And as we find out more 
about her relationships and why she had those relationships. They start out like kind of funny, like, oh, yeah, I dated him because of this and I dated him because of that. But as we get more into I'm not saying each relationship gets more progressively serious, but by the time we get to the, you know, the final boss, uh, we see really why she is the way she is. And it's, um, I I feel for her as a character. I feel, I feel very, um, empathetic towards her because I don't want her to feel that way. I feel like here's a, here's a woman who has to change herself every week. And that's the joke, you know, that she changes her hair like every other week and to me, I feel like that's her way of sort of shielding herself because she doesn't want to be in the same place all the time. Mm-hmm. She always has to feel like she has to move. She always has to be this moving target because if she commits, if she begins to trust somebody, she knows she's going to get hurt. And and I think that of the characters, I think she had the the most movement with her character. Full arc, I don't know because we don't know what happened after that. I mean, Scott could be, you know, Crazy X8 at that point, uh, maybe in Scott Pilgrim too, but um, I'm hopeful that that wouldn't have taken place. But yeah, I think of the characters, I think she had the most depth and change as a character. So would you say then, relating to Ramona and, and her character, that her past, her exes, in a sense, could be a metaphor for dealing with the baggage of her previous relationships and Scott. So Scott's Scott's quest to defeat them um, kind of a, a lot of people will use this terminology on in online dating. And I know I'm kind of giving some things away about myself right here, um, but <laughs> don't judge me. Okay. But a lot of people will use this phrase and they'll say, you know, I want someone that is has no baggage, no relationship baggage. You know, I don't want anybody that's bringing any kind of relationship, past relationship stuff to the table. And the reality is that when we enter a new relationship and especially, you know, the older we get, the more past relationships we've had. So by default, there's more to get through. But, you know, this can manifest in so many ways if you're dating someone that's been married before, if you're dating someone that has a child, if you're, you know, dating someone that's just had a lot of relationships or not had, but like one, and it was, you know, a high school sweetheart, you know, there's, this can, this can show up in so many different types of ways, but we have to kind of get through that in order for our relationship to, to find its footing in a, in a, in some ways. And so I wonder if that's part of what the story can be viewed as, as, Scott fighting through these exes in order to get to the place where he and Ramona can really finally connect. And it's about Scott and Ramona and it's not about Scott and Ramona and all of the things that Ramona is carrying that are informing her relationship with Scott. Oh, fantastic point. I completely agree with that. I think it's definitely a a metaphor of that. And to an extent, there's this one particular scene with Mae Whitman uh, who plays Roxy, her, I think it's number four. Yeah. Um, she was just a phase. She was just a phase. <laughs> she was a phase. Such a great line. Yeah. Uh, what was that? The um, she said something like, uh, "Oh, I can't even remember now." But um, anyway, I digress. But it's the scene where you know she's fighting. She's fighting Scott, but she first starts fighting Ramona. And I remember this interesting thing where Ramona says, or she she informs Ramona. She says, "No, he has to fight me. You can't fight me." And there's something interesting about that, that, you know, there are rules 
to this. <laughs> they're right. There are rules. That's a good the, yeah. And it's and it's funny to think about that, but at the same time, you're going, huh? Yeah, because I wonder what would because what we saw before Scott was becoming like the the mannequin, you know, because he won't punch a girl. What we saw was Ramona actually having some chops as a fighter. And I began to think, well, what if she were to face her demons head on and not have somebody fight for her? Um, I don't know that she was able to do that because we never saw her kind of take down any one of these exes. But I think in some ways, maybe from her perspective, that kind of speaks to, you know, something that I'm learning in, in my marriage is, you know, we're, we're one flesh and we fight for each other, but oftentimes there are things that we have to deal with on our own. Like there, there, it's not about when it comes to, you know, the guy that married us, a good friend of ours, he said, it's not, if you bring baggage, it's how much, and you're going to deal with that your entire uh, married life. Anytime you're in a relationship, you're going to deal with the baggage. You have to. So it's a question of, do you fight it alone or do you and your significant other fight it together? Um, I, I think that moment was, was pretty, for me, it was very, it, it hit a personal chord because I was like, they're fighting together to defeat her in, in some ways. I, I don't believe that was the message that was trying to be conveyed directly, but that's kind of something I picked up on was that, um, it doesn't have to be intentional. No, it doesn't. And that's, I th- again, that's the magic of movies is that stories and messages and, and things come out that connect with people in different ways. And, uh, and I really like that scene, uh, not only for the comedy, um, the scene leading up to it, uh, was great, but the, you know, it like, <laughs> one of my favorite lines is May going, uh, well, Roman goes, I was just a little bit bi curious. <laughs> and May goes, or your character goes, Well, honey, I'm a little bi furious. And then she just goes off. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's so much fun. And I think the levity in this movie was what I really enjoyed because there's some, there's some stuff, like even that moment that was kind of getting a little deep. And then we're like, Okay, let's lighten it up. We're not going to make this a drama. This is not what this movie is. And I thought that was great. And it, it felt perfect. Yeah, the writing is so witty. It is just so, 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 so witty and and smart. And it Mm -hmm. knows its audience. It knows the people that it's talking to and the people that it's trying to relate to. Um, And when a movie does that, I think that's a a big part of when cult classics um, and that that terminology starts to show its head is because you you feel like this was made for you directly. Like this was Edgar Wright talking to me. He knew me, he reached into my soul and he was like, I'm going to make the movie for you, Aaron. And he did it, you know, and, and so many of us can feel like he was doing that for us. Yeah. Um, very approachable, very approachable film. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really is. And you know, even, you know, some of the jokes are a little bit on the, I guess, I don't want to use the word quite, quite use the word vulgar side, but edgy, edgy, edgy and a little older, but you know, even my, my teenager and preteen, it never was so bad that I, you know, felt they were seeing or learning something that couldn't be discussed. Um, yeah. And what was really neat for them as well was that, like I was talking about with this cast. Um, so, I mean, this is like a who's who of everybody, man. I mean. Oh, my gosh. Are you? Yes. So we've got Michael Sarah, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is coming off of his uh, fantastic performance in Juno. 
Mm-hmm. And you um, you couldn't ask for anybody else to play Scott Pilgrim than Michael Sarah. Yeah, I don't think I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I don't think that there there's literally not another person that could have done this <laughs> in the way that he did. He's just mm-hmm. he's absolute perfection. Um, Ramona is Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who was nothing, nothing mm-hmm. at that moment. But now people can go, oh wait, that's the Tin Cloverfield Lane girl, and now we know where she gets her attitude. And we now, do. yep, yep. That's now it. we know why she turned out that way. Exactly. Luckily, luckily, John Goodman <laughs> was exes. not an evil ex. <laughs> <laughs> um, my girl Anna Kendrick is is in this one as Scott's sister. So a little bit part there, but I remember just kind of squealing a little bit every time she came on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Aubrey Plaza is in this and fantastic and hilarious. Again, one of the best scenes in the film. Um, is it's when she's just bleep 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 at, in the in the coffee shop, and she just every every time she talks to Scott, I just laugh out loud because it's like I you know we all had that friend that that was unabashedly honest with us. We all you always have to have one because you want the majority of your friends to tell you what you want to hear, but you want to always have that one person that you know will tell you the truth, and yes. and that's that's her character. And she tells everybody the truth. <laughs> oh, she tells yeah, she'll tell the world the truth. <laughs> she didn't need a mic. Um we have both Captain Marvel and Captain America, uh pre superhero. We have, you know, with Chris Evans, he's just he's so good. Chris oh, Evans oh, man. he was the surprise for me. I think when he started talking, I was like, did Will Arnett just show up oh, in this goodness. movie? You know, because I thought he was going to come across as like the early version of this Batman character. And it was so great. Yeah. It was like, why wouldn't you? It's, yeah. He's just so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's so funny. And then he just him him and he's like, you know, can you do a thingy on that thingy? <laughs> and he's like, that would be dangerous. And I might die. Why would I do that? <laughs> and then, of course, I'm going to do it. Um, just so good. Such a great little, little bit part there. And then Brie Larson, Captain Marvel to be, as I was mentioning, uh, as Envy Adams, who just, Oh, be still my heart. Um, she's a drop dead knockout in this, just her character's fantastic. And she epitomizes so well, the ex-girlfriend that doesn't, (laughs) doesn't want to let you go. So she's, she's done with you and she's no longer wants you for herself. Uh, but she needs you to continue to pine over her. She wants to control what you desire, even though she's not willing to be part of that relationship anymore. <laughs> and that's that. I, I don't know about you. I've, I've, you've ever had a relationship like that. I have, um, and I can relate to that. And so uh, it's an, it's a an fun character to kind of revisit the way that she is in this one. Yeah. Um, super, me, I think, and her base, ahead, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, if we're, if we're going to talk about impressive performances by people that you didn't expect uh, in the movie at all, uh, Brandon Routh just... That's what I was about to say. Her her he, her bassist is Superman. I mean, come on. I just... <laughs> but see, the thing is about Brandon Routh is, um, you know, Superman Returns, that's, that's, a, that's a hard sell right there to be the Man of Steel. I mean, you're going to get a lot of criticism. Uh, you got a lot to live up to. I've I've been watching him lately in uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, he was in some episodes of The Flash as, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. He's the equivalent to to Iron Man, but I can't remember what the DC character is um, in terms of be gadgetry. Batman? No, it's not Batman. It's I, <laughs> well, I, I can't Batman rem- is I can't the equivalent to Iron Man. Sorry, sorry. I wish I could think of it. So listeners, you know, you can chime in on the on social media and and just 
you know, teach me or whatever, but educate me. But I think for me, I'm looking at this guy and I've seen him in dramatic roles. I've seen him in, you know, action roles. And I don't, I just don't give him enough credit as an actor. I mean, the whole explanation of the dust joke was, was priceless. And I think dialogue wise, his fight between, between him and Scott was amazing. Like in terms of just being hysterical and I love Scott's reaction to him was, <laughs> he once were a vegan, but now, now you will be gone. gone. And <laughs> I just, so good. that's one of maybe 10 lines that I just want to print on a shirt and just walk around and say, yeah, I'm, I, I know this movie. You know, I, I know this. You know, my last job was a long story filled with size. That's fantastic. Bread makes you fat. You know, <laughs> these, these little, just Mr. Lee, you're needed back on set. All these different things that I just want to have printed or just posted and saying, I'm cool, I've seen this movie, and I can appreciate all these lines, you know? And that's that's the neat thing about it is it's it creates this fandom connection within people. So if mm-hmm. you use that line in your everyday life, like you will, trust me, at some point now in your everyday world, you're going to be doing something and you're going to say, I'm, I'm in lesbians, or you're going to say, I'm in lesbians with this. And someone is going to be like, Oh, Scott Pilgrim. I love that movie. Like someone's going to connect to that. Again, I I referenced The Princess Bride because it's another one that's very much like that. There's so many different lines you can quote from it that you can say in real life and people will immediately know it. And and you can have that connective moment with that person is like, you don't even, you don't have to know that person, but like, hey, we're both fans of this thing. And Scott Pilgrim's like that. And I think that's, that's really cool. And and if you make those t-shirts, I want one. (laughs) <laughs> well, when I uh, when I start making the big bucks off of uh, feeling film, I will definitely put that on the list of, of things to do and, uh, <laughs> and and promote for for the show and for any listeners that might want one. You know, let's let's talk. But uh, I think that I think the dialogue, you know, those lines are great. But I think there's some really great dialogue. In fact, there were several uh, sets of dialogue, particularly when Ramona and Scott were on their sort of dates that I thought um, made close to but not quite connecting points and i think that like for instance i think it was just after <laughs> he has a i think it's just after they beat um brandon Routh's character and natalie's talking to him and, and she goes you just headbutted my boyfriend so hard he burst and he <laughs> he goes you kicked my heart in the butt so i guess we're even natalie and she goes natalie no one calls me that anymore and he goes Maybe they should. And there's just a lot there, man. It's just, it's good stuff. And then the next scene, he's talking to Ramon and he goes, have you ever dated someone that wasn't a total, you know, whatever? And she goes, well, so far you're not a total, mm, you know, whatever. And he goes, but I'm part. Mm. See, these are the things that I wish we could, you know, we have to put the E on the thing. Cause it just, anyway, but I love that. She says, it's, well, if it makes you feel better, you're the nicest guy I've dated. He goes, wait, is that good? And she goes, it's what I need right now. And he goes, but not later. She goes, Scott. I don't have all the answers. I just want to try to live in the moment if I can. And he goes, I just like to live. And so there's like these messages intermixed with levity. And I think that those sets of dialogue in particular make the movie both memorable and powerful at the same time for me. I think those are the moments that I would go, I'm going to remember those scenes for a long time because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, and, you know, the editing, as we mentioned earlier, briefly, the, the, this is a masterclass in film editing. Um, you talked about how you felt that this looked as if it was copying comic book panels. And I can tell you for a fact 
that that is correct. That is correct. Um, there are quite a few scenes in this film. You can look up videos on this, and I believe, gosh, where did I watch this video? A couple years ago, there was a great one done. Not Nerd Writer. It's very similar to Nerd Writer. Something uh, about a painting. Uh, uh, blah, 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 Every blah. frame of painting. Yeah, that one. Every frame of painting has a fantastic uh, video up with Edgar Wright about the editing on this. Uh, well, visual storytelling, I think, is what it was about with Edgar Wright's films. And this one is part of it. And it shows how some of these panels are side-by-sides. Um, the fight with P- Matthew Patel is one to one where the way in which Scott punches and the, and the, the movie kind of pauses and slows down to give us that shot with the words coming off the screen and all of the different effects is exactly the way it looks in the comic book. Exactly. I mean, just perfect rendition of it. And I think that the fact that it creates these panels from the graphic novel and gives you that feeling of your you're walking through the graphic novel as a, as a visitor um, or you're playing the video game yourself. And that's just incredible. I, I, I cannot say enough about the editing of this film. It's the quick cuts, um, the animated sound effects, the eight bit effects. It's a hundred percent visual immersion in this comic book world that I, that you, it's just unrivaled, honestly. Well, and I think something that's, that I'd like to mention is the fact that that's risky. As a filmmaker, this style of storytelling is very risky because it could make or break, and it totally made in this case, but it could have easily just fallen flat on its face because of the fact that there's not – I don't know that there's been a movie before or or since that has had this kind of style. I mean, it, it's very – now, I haven't seen his other movies, so I can't speak to those, but I, I just I, – I don't know that you can – replicate that or even it, it it's risky and it paid off and that I, I, kudos to to that approach and for doing something different but at the same time staying true to the source material because that to me i think is is what probably gave him the most confidence he was like you know what this is how the book looks so what if we tried this and i i, I want to believe that he goes at some point that he had a lot of what if questions as he was going through this whole creative process. And to me as a creative person, and I think for you and, and all of us out there that are, that are, that are listening to this, I mean, we're all creative in some way asking that question. What if I think gives us that ability to expand our, our creative uh, vantage point and come up with something like Scott Pilgrim. And uh, when it pays off, I think it just, it completely pays dividends for your audience and for you. And so, um, you know, as someone who's just seeing it for the first time in full, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blown away by it. It won't be your last and, and you'll, no, it won't. You'll be hoping from here on out that your life was like Scott Pilgrim and you could get, uh, resets and do overs and <laughs> pull magical swords out of your chest. Every day I feel that way sometimes, you know, <laughs> especially when, when I, when I miss a deadline on a project, I'm like, can I get a do over on that? Cause I know what I should have done. Right. Just kick the copy machine and have it burst into coins. Oh, fantastic yeah. yeah it'd be so good but it still wouldn't be enough for bus fare no you know it, you know talking about Edgar Wright's visual style um as we slowly here transition out of the main review um a couple quick things so a new trailer just dropped for his upcoming film it's called Baby Driver um it's one that I had had on my own kind of 
radar as far as, you know, ah, that looks interesting. Ansel Elgort is in it from The Fault in Our Stars. Not really sure how that's going to work out. Uh, the first trailer for this drop, though, and whoo, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I actually was not going to watch it. I decided to, to give it a shot, um, and I think that it's going to be one that we're probably going to have to cover. It looks like it's going to be a whole lot of fun, and I mean... Yeah, I, I may have to go watch an Edgar Wright movie tonight while I do podcast editing. I'm kind of jazzed for this whole visual visual stuff that he does. Yeah. Well, as far as connecting points go, where we picked that one scene that uh, we most resonated with in the film, did you have anything that came easy to you, or did you struggle with this one? I struggled. Because I had 15, I think. 15, uh, were... Patrick. My... Patrick, that's the whole movie, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah, it really is. And, and and that says a lot because I, you know, I didn't know what to expect going into this. I knew that apparently it's a pretty popular film since people voted it way up. And uh, so at the very least, I couldn't have disliked this movie <laughs> on the, just for the sake of principle. But no, I, I looked at this and I'm – I'm, I'm I'm literally looking at the at the quick notes that I that I took, and I, I put connecting points in bold, and I was like, here's a line, line, bold, 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 line, line, bold, 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 line, line. Okay, I've got to stop. You know, I'm like, I've got to pick one, and and there were there were a ton. Again, I love the conversation that Ramona and Scott have while walking to the four club. I think that there's that there's a line in there that one that she says, no breakup is painless. Someone always gets hurt, which is complete truth. Um. You know, Scott owning the fact that he hurts people just as much as Ramona does. Uh, I think that was just a very cool and honest. And the fact that, that Ramona doesn't even know who she is anymore. That's a great connecting point. However, that's not the one that I chose. I think for me, the whole sequence following his, quote, death, and in this kind of abyss of places, was fantastic. And what makes it great for me is that it takes a conventional idea about owning up to the hurt that he caused and how that gives him a quote new life in order to make amends. The fact that it's wrapped up in a second life and a game environment enhances that entertainment value so much, but it feels both campy and sincere all at once. And and that pays off. You know, I think that for us, I think we want second chances. I think we want to be able to redo things. There are times when uh, these classes that my, my wife and I are taking uh, in our, at our church about marriage ministry. I mean, some of the things that we're talking about is forgiveness and grace and things like that. And, and that's wrapped up in it. You know, this idea that, you know what, you're owning up to the things that hurt your spouse that you say, that's my fault. I did that. And I am sorry. And there's something incredibly powerful about owning up to your crap and owning it up to somebody that you, uh, that you, you openly say you trust because what you're doing is you're saying, I trust you enough to tell you that I am broken, (laughs) that I cannot, um, I can't, I can't be honest with anybody else more than I can with you. And I think that's what Scott does here is he's like, you know what? I've got to be honest with myself about who I am and about who, about the fact that I do hurt people and that I want to be better at this. And so when it comes back around and it goes from, you know, Scott's earned the, what is it? The, gosh, I wish I could remember that line. Power of self-respect. Uh, yeah. It was from the power of love or something like that. I thought, you know, that was cool to me. The, and again, the fact that it was wrapped up in like what we're as gamers know, Oh, you get an extra life. That's fantastic. So for me, that was the connecting point. The moment where he came back and, 
it was a different, what I call it, you know, that alternate ending that I didn't expect. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you picked something that was much more dramatic or uh, meaningful uh, because I <laughs> did not. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like to try and find something like that for my connecting point, or I guess not really find something. Usually it's that kind of a moment that clicks for me, but this one was different. So there are so many fantastic lines of dialogue and brief moments of elation in this film that this film evoked in me. But the one that caused the movie the first time I saw it and every time since to go from, okay, this is fun to holy crap. This is awesome happened because of a band and a song, which I think is apropos because that's kind of what this is, is Scott Pilgrim's band. Um, that song is black sheep, uh, performed by the band metric. Uh, the, the envy Adams and clash at demon head is actually based off of the band metric, um, performed by Brie Larson as envy Adams specifically. It's only in these second appearance in the film when this happens, but she's been this looming presence in the story up until this point. And she's kind of like this mythological ex-girlfriend who broke Scott's heart and is silently threatening to do it again. Um, and what I love about this buildup is how well we understand their relationship. And this calls back to that, that thing I talked about where his, his sister Stacy calls envy. She who must not be named. Um, and we never, we haven't met her at that point. We haven't seen the character. We haven't been introduced to her. We just hear about her in these third, third party conversations, kind of like hearsay when she finally returns and she makes his entrance again, it seems appropriate that it would be extremely grand and boy, does she, this whole sequence, Patrick slays me. The opening I think is just perfect. Um, it's just this magical graphic equalizers that are bouncing across the stage as the music is building up and she comes on the stage and she's just saying, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And at the same time, that's when Scott is coming to the conclusion that the bassist Todd is one of the evil exes. And she says, Oh yeah. And Scott just says, Oh no. And then bam, the song begins. Um, hello again, friend of a friend. And it just goes into it and it, and it gives me chills every single time. So for me, that culmination of amazing visual editing with the, the way the sound is portrayed on the equalizers and the buildup of kind of seeing her again on the stage and realizing that he's going to both have to fight this ex of Ramona's, but it's also a person that has a relationship with envy, his ex-girlfriend at the same time. It's like this, this perfect whirlwind of like crap hitting Scott all mixed up in an amazing song and probably my favorite song on the whole uh, soundtrack. I, I just, I love everything about it and I could rewatch that scene a hundred times over and over and over and never get tired of it. You should never have to apologize for, for what you just said, because it does not surprise me in the least that you picked the connecting point led by a song. Listeners, if, if Aaron didn't do movie podcast, he would do a music podcast because if you want to talk about someone who gets emotionally connected to something, Aaron does this with music. I mean, uh, movie soundtracks, you know, just kind of double the double the love there. So it does not surprise me that that you picked that particular that particular scene. And it's a great song; it absolutely is. Uh, but no, it does not surprise me one bit. So never apologize for that. I won't. I won't. And you know, it's one of my 
great kind of regrets that I don't have as much time for, well, lots of things that I enjoy, but music is one of them. And so I go through phases where I, you know, will listen to the same soundtrack or the same songs over and over and over, um, in a very condensed period of time. But I, I do, I get incredibly moved emotionally by music and by story. I mean, I'm just an emotional dude. What can I say? So, um, yeah, this one, this is the one that hit it for me. And I'm, I'm glad that you understood there was, there was lots of them for me too. This is, this is a great movie. I hope that everyone listening, uh, has enjoyed us talking through it. And if you didn't rewatch it before listening to us, I hope that we motivated you to go find it and put it in and, and watch it again. <laughs> this inspires me to put more, well, we don't have any right now, but put gaming, <laughs> gaming sounds in our, uh, in our podcast for places like the connecting point and all that. I wish, I hope we do that. What one day we're going to reach that level of uh, production value listeners. We promise one day. <laughs> okay. Well, Patrick, do you want to uh, wrap us up and tell us where people can find you to, to carry on this conversation further or chat with you about any and everything? Yes, I'd love to keep the conversation going about this or about The Graduate or anything that we've been talking about over the last, wow, it's almost been a year. Can you believe that? I think and next I, episode is number 50, right? It is. It's, wow. It's, it's number 50. Uh, we're going to be covering Beauty and the Beast, which... Honestly, I got to tell you guys, I wasn't really excited about. And then as I started seeing the trailers, I got more and more excited about it. So, Ditto. It um, has been building and building mm-hmm. and building. And now I'm really, really pumped to go see it. Yes, I am too. So uh, be looking for that and uh, be looking for new bonus content for our Patreon subscribers. If you want to find me and talk more, you can find me at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram the big three. So yeah, just, I, I'd love to continue these conversations. I love talking movies, obviously, because I co-host a podcast, but, um, in honor of Scott Pilgrim, uh, I mentioned our bonus content. We're going to be talking about our top five movie bands. And, uh, the question is after listening to this, you're probably wondering, will sex Babam make our list should be fun regardless of what the outcome is. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yep, tune in to find out. What does it cost? Two bucks or less or something like that, I think, for that mm-hmm. uh, reward level. And you can find out what our favorite movie bands are. That episode should be up now. Uh, as for me, if you would like to carry on the conversation with me, you can do so anywhere online. You can find me at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Uh, you can also find me tweeting out of the show's Twitter account at Feel and Film. Uh, you can find us all over the place on Facebook. We have a Facebook page that we use uh, generally just to kind of throw episode release info out there. Um, and then we have a Facebook group, which is linked to from our website and also always in every episode's show notes. And that is where the conversation generally keeps going. People are getting to know each other, forming relationships, talking movies and all kinds of entertainment topics and having a great time doing it. Lastly, If you haven't done so already and you're enjoying the show, could you take some time and pop on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to the podcast from and just leave us a review. Uh, It helps us get more recognition uh, with the community when people are doing searches. It kind of boosts us up and makes us look a little better and more appealing and helps us uh, generate more listeners, which then bring on more conversation uh, for us all to have together about the films that we love. So that would be awesome if you have time and can do that. I think that's about it, Patrick. So I think it is too. All right. Well, until the next one, as we always say, 
Stay positive. And keep feeling fulfilled. One, two, three, four!